You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. Amen. You can be seated and good morning to the 10 o'clock Highland family. Glad all of you are here today. I know that we have run out of seats, and so for those who are seated on the floor or outside in the lobby, we apologize, but super glad that you are here with us today. We're in a series called Hope Thirst, because all of us in this room, uh, we we are desiring hope. We're wanting hope. We have a, 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 a thing in our spirit that desires to find hope and to live in, in hope. We're all on a quest, this journey for hope. And the sad thing is so many people in our city today, in our nation today, they're looking for hopeful things in hopeless places. It becomes the journey of, of many people looking for something that will satisfy them, looking for hope. That, that hope is that certainty. What is, what is real in life? What can I build my life upon? Certainly tomorrow will be better than today. Certainly tomorrow things will make more sense than they do today. That's, that's hope. It's this certainty. Not something we wish for, but something we know to be true. And so if you're here today looking for hope, I have a place I want us to go together to see where true hope, lasting hope can be found. With your copy of God's Word, and I hope you have one with you today, let's go to the book of Hebrews together. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews is in the New Testament. It's a 19 books into the New Testament, or nine books from the back of the Bible, if that's easier perhaps for you to find it today. You've got the Gospels and Acts and Romans, First and Second Corinthians, the Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Then you have the five T's, the Thessalonians, the Timothys, the Titus, the Philemon, and then Hebrews. It's right before the book of James. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10 together. This is where we'll be for the entirety of our morning, our time together today. Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to begin in verse 19, just reading five verses today. Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, brothers and ladies, please don't feel left out. This is to the church. In fact, that's a plural word right there. Uh, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by this new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our, and here's our operative word, of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Don't close your Bibles. These five verses are packed with so much meaning. The only problem is that we have a hard time seeing those verses for the powerful verses that they are because we come to the book of Hebrews with a little bit of a disadvantage. Most in this room are Gentiles. And we don't understand perhaps the Old Testament context that's necessary for understanding these five verses. Basically, the book of Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians who were much more Jewish than they were Christian. And so he comes to them, the author of Hebrews comes with this astounding truth. We have access to God. I can tell you're all Gentiles because if you're a Jewish congregation, 
you might make some kind of noise at that. What? Access? Invitation to come into the presence of God? If that truth does not astound us, it's because we have forgotten who God is. Here's the picture in verse 19. It's telling us that we can have confidence to enter the most holy place. Now, some translations use the word a boldness or an access. Some translations use the word an authorization. Or even one translation uses the word freedom to enter into the most holy place of God. To understand how huge that is, we've got to understand the Old Testament because in the Old Testament, there was an inaccessibility of God. But now, as New Testament believers... The Spirit of the Lord instructs this author of Hebrews to let us know with great joy there is now access to this God. How inaccessible was God? You don't have to turn there, but you'll see it on the screen behind me. In Exodus chapter 19, we see a picture of, if you will, the Old Testament church, the Old Testament gathering of God's people. Exodus chapter 19. Let me read this to you as you follow along on the screen behind me. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am coming to you, in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you. So God's not talking to his people. God's going to talk to Moses, his one person, and they can listen in. And they may also believe you forever, Moses. When Moses told the words of the people of the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and ready them, consecrate them, today and tomorrow. In other words, it's a long runway to get into the inaccessibility of God and let them wash their garments so they can be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord, Yahweh, will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people, and you shall set, very important word, limits. Set limits for the people all around. Here's the limits. Take care not to go up into the mountain. Don't even touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. Verse 13 means, and once that person is put to death, no hand shall even touch that dead person. For if someone touches that dead person, he shall be stoned or shot. Whether a beast or a man, your animal, your puppy, your kitten, whatever it might be, he shall not live. And when the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up, still the limits in place, to the mountain. Jump down just three verses. You'll see it on the screen also, verse 16. So on the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings. I know in English we always make that singular. In Hebrew it's always plural. Thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Don't touch that mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire and the smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln and the whole mountain just trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. Can you imagine that? That was nothing like coming to Highland this morning. But can you imagine if that was our website for you? Hey, Highland's going to gather. We're going to meet at a mountain. You'll know which one. It's the one shaking. And when you get there, don't touch it. Don't even touch the edge of it. And it's going to take you about three days to prepare yourself to get there. 
Like you're already there in proximity, but your heart's not ready yet. So three days it's going to take you to prepare your heart to even get close, to even hear God talking, not even to you, but to somebody else. And when you get there, make sure, again, your, your, your dog is on leash because if anything touches the edge of that, that mountain, it will be killed. And if anyone is killed, you go and even start to touch that body, you'll be killed also. Welcome to Highland. We hope to see you on Sunday morning at 8.40, 10 o'clock, 11.20. That's basically what is, what is happening in, in, in this message. And can you imagine being there? And, and Moses is the only one that's kind of walking out from among the group to, to hear from God. And you're thinking, man, better, better him than me. Go, you, you go. And just tell us what he said. So God is meeting with his people here and they are trembling. They are terrified and don't miss the command here. This is so important for you to see. When God inaugurates his covenant and comes down among his people, his command to them is, don't miss this, stay back. Stay back. You'll be destroyed if you even come near the presence of God. It's, it's the picture here of Exodus 19 we just read and all throughout the, the Old Testament. You don't play around with the presence of God. You don't just walk casually into the presence of God. So with that background of the Old, old Covenant, we come to verse 19 now where it says, therefore, church, sisters, brothers, family of God, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Stop right there. What? As sisters and brothers in Christ, as the people of God, we as the people of God have this confidence now to enter into what? Freedom to enter where? Authorization to enter where? Access to enter where? The most holy place where God's presence abides. Wow. This is why it's important for New Testament people like us to read the Old Testament to realize what we didn't have back then so we can thank God for what we do have now in Christ. And Christian, you have this privilege, this hope that the Old Testament saints could only dream about access to God, authorization to go into his presence. How is that even possible when people like, like you and I, sinful people, dirty people, dirty in sin, how is it that we can enter into the most holy place? Look at verse 19 again. Since we have confidence to enter into the most holy place by what? By the fact that we're good people? By the fact that we attend church? By how hard we try to be holy? No. We have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. He is the provision. His blood is the gateway. It's not some old covenant tradition of the old way of, of Yom Kippur, the, the one day of atonement, but now this new covenant, this abiding sacrifice in the death of Christ Jesus. His blood guarantees, it provides, it, it supplies this access into the presence of God. There, there, there was a curtain a veil that separated uh, people from God. Her Pastor Jared mentioned this earlier uh, in, in the Old Testament. It separated the people of God from, the, from God uh, and even the priest from God in that most holy place. And we know the Gospels tell us that when Christ died, when his blood was shed, that that curtain was torn in two from, from the top to the bottom. So the path, the access to God opened up into the presence of God for the people of God by the death of the Son of God. So this morning, let's just look at this, this juxtaposition. 
Uh, if you went to TCU, that means a side-by-side -side comparison. So a juxtaposition. Let's kind of see how both of those can compare to one another. First of all, we've got, we've got the old way. All right, so you note-takers, you write this down. Here's the old way. The old way was limited. We saw that earlier. There's going to be some limits around the presence of God. So the old way or the old covenant or the old testimony of God, if you will. Same God, by the way. Just a different way to relate to him now. So the old way was limited. It was terrifying. It was a once-a-year invitation to come into the presence of God, and only one person could enter based on his, the priest, or that one person's uncertain work. So limited, what does that mean? It's limited in access. It was difficult to get to God. And under the conditions of Exodus chapter 19, who would want to go there? It was terrifying. Did you see that, that picture in Exodus 19? The smoke, the, the fire, the shaking, the trembling, that, that eerie trumpet blast. God's presence was not serene. It was a terrifying thing to be in the presence of God. It was a once-a-year invitation. Now, in Exodus, perhaps it was more than just once a year. It was when God did the bidding. But in the very next book, in Leviticus, the, the, the day of Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, was set up so that only once a year, one person, the, the high priest, would come into the presence of God and, and lay out the sins of the community before the presence of God. And he would walk in. But he would go in in uncertain terms himself. They, they better enter correctly if they're going to go in. If they did the work uncertainly themselves, if they didn't wash correctly or they didn't burn incense correctly or they didn't wear white or they, they, they mourned the dead person in the previous seven days or they had touched a dead person or they had not taken the blood of the bull and, and put it on their finger and sprinkled it seven times on the east side of the altar, if they messed up any of that, it was an uncertain work. Uh, Jewish tradition tells us that often the, the, the priests of the Old Testament, they would tie bells to the hems, the edges of their garments. And, and then a rope was tied around their waist. And, and the priest would enter into the, to the holy place and, and those outside of the holy place were listening for the ringing of the bells. That meant that he was still walking. He was still upright. He had done everything correctly, but if they heard the bells stop ringing, they assumed he had died in the presence of God. Maybe he hadn't washed his hands enough. Maybe he went to the west side of the altar instead of the east side of the altar. Or maybe he had mourned the death of someone in the previous seven days. And so the community would tie that rope to him and would pull out the body of a charred priest because the work was so uncertain. But here's the new way. So let's do the comparison. Here's the new way or the New Testament or the new testimony of God or, or the new covenant, the new way we relate to God. It's unlimited. It's peace-giving in the presence of God. And we can go at any moment and anyone can enter based on Christ's certain work. Unlimited. Christian, if you're getting tired and it was a long weekend and you got sunburned like I, I did at the game yesterday and you're so tired right now and, and there's nothing else you're going to listen to me say today, would you listen to this sentence right here? Christian, you can't come to God too much. Just keep on coming. There is no limit anymore. There's, there's an unlimited access to God. You can't go to God too many times. Amazing. And now it's peace-giving. In the Old Testament, it was, it was this angst. You were filled with angst to come to the presence of God. Don't even touch the mountain. Am I doing this right? Am I dressed right? Am I doing the right thing? But now as believers in Christ, we can enter God's presence and we're not filled with, with, with fear. We're filled with peace and joy and delight 
and we can go at any moment. Can you imagine living after Leviticus, but before the cross, and someone had to go to God on your behalf, but they had to go once a year? And so after you said your piece to the priest, perhaps, or laid your sin out before the priest, and the priest came before God, it would be 364 more days before you could access him. And even at that, you couldn't access God directly. You had to go through a middleman. But now at any moment, Christian, we can, we can come before God. You can pray when you wake up. You can pray as you, as you drive to school, as you drive to work. You can pray for your neighbors. You can pray for your kids. You can pray for, for, for your roommates. You can pray while you're taking a test, which is a great time to pray. I've noticed that a lot of college students develop a great prayer life right during test season. You, you, you can pray with others. You, you can lay your head down at night on the pillow and pray. This is how accessible God is now for those who are in Christ Jesus. And when I say that you can approach God at any moment, I mean at any moment. Th think about it. When, when only one man could do this once a year in the old covenant, there is now a privilege that you have, Christian, that can be enjoyed by every woman, every man who belongs to Jesus. And for those in Christ, we don't enter by our own uncertain work or our own balancing act. We enter instead by the work of Christ, the completed work of Christ on the cross, certain that he died once and for all and that he rose in power. This Christ's certain work that gives us access to God. So here's, here's how I want to wrap up today. I want to show you five things in this passage that we have in Christ. So you note takers, just make space for five places here. Here are five things that we have in Christ. And this is the hope that is produced because of these five things we have in Christ. Number one, I'll go through this list fairly quickly. Number one, confidence. Verse 19, therefore, family of God, sisters, brothers, since we have confidence, this is what you have in Christ. You have confidence to come into the presence of God. You don't have to hesitate. You don't have to be uncertain. You can boldly move into the presence of God to enter into that place where the priest was allowed only one time a year. You, Christian, you can move in into the presence of God with confidence, with full assurance, with authorization, with, with freedom. Here's the second thing you have in Christ. You have a way to enter. Verse 20, how do we enter? We enter by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain. What is the curtain? That is his flesh. His body becomes the door. His, his body becomes the portal. His body becomes the, the entrance. His perfect sacrifice on the cross creates a way for you and I to come into the holy place of God. When we come in, what, what, what is that like? To come into the presence of God, the full presence of God. I know something to be true about every one of us in this room, something that holds all of our lives together. All of us in this room want to be fully known and fully loved. And a lot of people will spend a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of energy trying to be fully known and fully loved. The fear of a lot of us in this room is if we are fully known, we won't be fully loved. Like if you really knew me, if you really knew the depths of my heart, if you really knew what I was capable of thinking, would you, would you really love me? But when you and I come into the presence of God, sons and daughters of God, listen, when you come into the presence of God, what happens? You're fully known because you cannot hide secrets from him. But because of who he is, you're also fully 
loved. I would submit to you, there's no other place in the universe where you can enter in like that and be fully known by God and fully loved. Thirdly, what do you have in Christ? You have a priest. Verse, verse 21 says, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. So this is very, very clear. This is a gift that we have, what we have in Christ. A, a priest simply did this. A, a priest spoke to the people on behalf of God, but then also spoke to God on behalf of the people. That was the purpose of the Old Testament, Old Testament priests. But those priests were never perfect. In fact, you can go back to the Old Testament and realize that some of the priests were actually corrupt. But in Christ, we have this perfect, sinless priest. And yes, he does speak to us on behalf of God, but here's the beautiful thing you must know. This same Jesus, this high priest, speaks to God on your behalf. We're in Hebrews chapter 10. Would you go just two pages back to the left and look at Hebrews chapter 7 with me? It's not on the screen, but it is in your Bible. Look at Hebrews chapter 7. Look at verse 22 with me. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 22. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priest, this is kind of a funny sentence to me, the former priest, they were many in number, but because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. In other words, the mortality rate of priests was running right at 100%. Like, like none of them were living long enough to like stay in office forever, but he, Jesus, he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save us to the uttermost, to the greatest degree, those who draw near to God through him, since he, wow, always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus lives to pray for you. Some people live to win a football game. Some people live to make money. Some people live to make other people laugh. Jesus lives to pray for you. Robert Machane wrote some incredible books on prayer. And in one of his books, he, he gives this quote. And I, I put it on the screen because I want you to, 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 to grasp this as well. Let this sink in. If I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. You have the perfect son of God praying for you. In fact, it's not just something that he kind of does in his free time or he, he does because he likes, like, like, like he needs to. He lives for it. Jesus lives to pray for you, to intercede for you. Here's the fourth thing that we have in Christ. We now have a nearness to God. Oh, we see this in, in verse 22, uh, back in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Let us draw near then to God. Remember, this is the God who was once inaccessible, but now we have access to him. We can come near to God. And the psalmist says in Psalm 73, verse 28, his nearness is our good. Note takers, you can write this down. The old way said, stay back. The new way says, draw near. Come near to me. What an amazing invitation. The God over all creation, the king over every other king invites you to draw near to him. And listen, now you can because of Christ. Fifthly, what do we have in Christ? We have total forgiveness. Look at verse 22 again. Let us draw near with a true heart and full Assurance. So here's a promise of God that comes from our faith in him. Our hearts are sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure Water. I know sometimes people hesitate to come into the presence of God because they're thinking, I don't want to go there and be near him because I've messed up so much. I don't want to draw near to God. I want to run away from God, which actually makes us a lot like Adam, right? 
He sinned and he ran. Every one of us in this room, when we sin, we're gonna run also, but you have the choice to where you will run. Away from God, or when you sin, you run to the presence of God. Family, we've been pardoned by his blood. We are cleansed by his blood. Our, our hearts have been sprinkled clean from a guilty conscience. Here's what I'm trying to say. Our guilt is gone. No matter what you have done in the past, where you've been, what you've thought, the words you have said, if you are in Christ Jesus, you're completely forgiven in him. You're not guilty anymore. Oh, we were guilty, Christians. But guilty no more. So what do we do with all this? These five things we have in Christ. What do we do with this? I'm glad you asked because verse 23 tells us, because of all this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. So all this is true. Let's not let go of the hope we have in Christ. Let's cling to it. We can wrap our life around it. So what, what is hope in accordance to this passage here? Here it is, my last thing for the day. The hope we have is the access to God we have. This is where hope is born. This is where hope is found. Friends, this is where hope is practiced. Entering into the presence of God. If your week has been anything like my week, it's just been busy. At, at times, maybe overwhelming, taxing, stress-filled. And maybe as you survey your past week, you're thinking maybe like the preacher guy is thinking right now, I did not spend near enough time with God, especially since every day he invited me into his presence. I'd like for us to end in this way little different than we normally end. Would you just bow your head and bow your heart before the Lord? If you want to kneel, you can kneel. You can kneel, kneel at the front. You can even turn around if you want to. I know it's going to be awkward, but we love awkward here. Just turn around and kneel in your seat if you want to. Perhaps a good posture of prayer is just to open up your hands before the Lord. And if it's been a while, If you've been busy, even though there's an invitation from the king to enter in, can I ask for you, first of all, just in the quietness of your heart, to tell the Lord who he is. Tell God who he is. Name his attributes. Name his characteristics. Tell God who he is to you. Now would you thank God for what he has given you? Just in the quietness of your heart, just list all the gifts, all the blessings, all these generosities. And thank Jesus for what he has done. So thank God for what he has given and thank Jesus for what he's done. Ask him for what you need this week. We're told to come in with confidence. And so 
with confidence, with courage, with assurance. Tell God, here's what I need. Here's what I need from your hand. Now, would you thank Jesus for the cross? Would you thank the Father that he's an accessible Father? Thank the Father you can now come before him.